we're talking about relationships. This is our sixth sermon in a series about relationships. Uh, Ken Hemphill, Dr. Ken Hemphill was a pastor. He was a seminary president. He's a prolific author. He has two, two earned doctor's degrees. Here's what Dr. Hemphill said about success. Success in the workplace. He said, success in the workplace is 15% knowledge, academic, and 85% how you relate to other people. That relational skills are 80... This is a guy with two earned doctor's degrees. That, that success in the workplace is 15% knowledge and 85% how you interact with other people. That's pretty powerful, pretty profound. Daniel Goldman is an expert in a new field called emotional intelligence and, and in human relationships. And, and Goldman says success in life in every area, he says, is 25% knowledge and 75% interpersonal or relational. And, and I've used some other stats from other experts over the last few weeks, but here's what you can deduct it from that. People who have studied success, who know how to be successful, Almost all of them would say this, that success is about 15 to 20% what you know and about not the old adage, who you know, but how you relate to the people that you know. Guys, I want to tell you that the most important thing after your relationship with God is relationship with people and how successful you're going to be, how happy you're going to be five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. It's the most important thing after Jesus. It's going to be how you interact with people. So we're going to be in Proverbs 19 this morning, and I want to give you two foundations to end our series, two foundations that that all relationships are built on. Without these, you have nothing. You really have nothing. With these, you can do everything. I mean, everything can, can flower up and build from these two things. Here is the first thing. Here's the first relational thing that everybody in your life and in your world needs, and that's this. Give people your loyal, kind love. Give people, give everybody. Men, give it to your wife, wife to your husband. You need to be getting it from your girlfriend or your boyfriend. You need to give this to your parents or to your kids. Give people your kind and loyal love. I want to break this in two parts. The first is this, shower people with loving kindness. You know what a shower is. You turn the shower on, and if it's working right, it pours water out on you. And that's what this scripture is teaching is that we need to pour our love on other people. In verse 22, we're going to look at one verse, but I want to tell you this verse is rich, rich, rich. There's more calories and content in this than a Big Mac and a large fry. (laughs) What a man desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than a liar. We'll look at that last part in a moment. What a man desires is unfailing love. Leave the verse up there for a moment. The Old Testament was originally written in the Hebrew language. And I want to share with you what some of these Hebrew words mean because it's, it's very, again, it's rich. It says, what a man desires. The word desire means what, what a person delights in, what satisfies a person, what meets people's needs, what meets your needs, what will meet the people in, in your life's needs, if you give this, is unfailing love. In the Hebrew, that two-word phrase, unfailing love, is one word. It's a word, if you were to transliterate it from Hebrew to English, it would be pronounced has said. It's a hard word to pronounce in English, but it's one of the most important Old Testament words. It, it, it means a love that is kind, a love that is merciful, a love that is 
forgiving. It's, it's the exact description in the Old Testament of God. It's a God who is loving and a God who is kind, a God who is merciful. It is a God who is forgiving. And it's a covenant word. It's a word of community that, that God gives to his people and his people are to give to God and his people are to give to one another. But this word, this word starts not pie in the sky, not super complicated, but it literally means that the people in your world, what they need from you, what will meet their needs, what will bring satisfaction in every relationship in your life to people who are normal and healthy, is a warm, kind, generous love. A smiling, friendly, caring love. A merciful, forgiving love. Now, I want to share with you a quote from Rick Warren, which I think is real good. And I hope you, you keep a paper near you and, and uh, a pen in hand because it, it's interesting. I always do this when I listen to people speak and preach. And, and God will share things to your heart that may not come out of the preacher's mouth. But this is a, these are, it's actually two quotes. These are quotes worth hearing, especially in our world today. Rick Warren talks about loving people unconditionally, what God's saying here. Love people warmly. Love people regardless. But Rick Warren said there's two great lies today. Here's the first, that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, that means you hate them. That's a lie. You don't have to approve of everything everyone does to love them. Amen? Love also means you have to agree with everything they do. That's a lie. That's a lie. See, that's what the press is pushing on us today. That if you say what I do is wrong, you're a hater. You don't love me. That's not true. Think if parents applied this to their two-year-olds. The two-year-old shoots the dog with a BB gun, trips grandpa with his own cane, and breaks the television set. But because you have to love them, you cannot disapprove of any of their behavior. The biblical word for that is hogwash. Don't get confused by people on the news who are trying to sell you a lie. Unconditional love is not unconditional approval. What this word means is what you've heard in church. You may not have seen in church, but you've heard in church is that you hate the sin, but you love the sinner. That's what this is talking about. Guys, you want to be successful, it starts right here. You can get a Ph.D., you can get an M.D., you can get your law degree. But if you lose with God and you lose with people, you've lost. A lot of very wealthy, very educated people sitting at home today, very lonely. It starts with loving people with a warm love. Here's the second part of this. Be truly loyal and faithful to other people. Man, is this a good word for our society today. What a man desires is unfailing love. Has said this warm love is a, is a loyal love. This is God's love for us, that God loves us despite us, despite our sins, despite our unfaithfulness. God stays faithful to us. It was a covenant word. It was a word that meant we are, we are part of the same team, that God loves us and we're to love him regardless and that we're to love each other regardless. It says what a man desires, what brings delight and satisfaction to people is when they are loved warmly and they're loved faithfully is what God's saying here. And man, is this what we need. Back in 1989, a terrible earthquake hit the country of Armenia. Some of you older folks probably remember 30,000 people died, 30,000 people Tons of horror stories in that, but there was, there was some great stories too. One great story was of a little boy named Armin. Armin was separated from his parents when the earthquake hit. 
His parents were alive, but they could not find him anywhere. Obviously, the first thing the dad began to do was to, to search frantically for his child. He got other people, as many as he could, to help him. They did not stop day or night. 38 hours later, 38 hours later, they find the little boy, and he's still alive. And the first words he said to his daddy was this, Daddy, I knew you were coming for me. Man, don't you want to be that kind of person? Don't you want to be the kind of person that people know that you're going to be there for them, that you're loyal? Folks, we, I, I'm afraid in our society today, even Christians, we, we treat people like Kleenex. We use it and throw it away. By the way, that's what Kleenex is, is for. That's not what people are for. God says winning with other people starts with this. It starts with you loving people warmly and loving people loyally. Dr. Alfred Kinsey said this about marriage. This is really, really important. Kinsey said he believed the greatest indicator or the greatest factor in a couple staying together was this. They determined to stay together. The greatest key to a couple making it was not going to every wedding conference there is or marriage, which those are great. But the key is they, they dig their heels in and they say, we are going to make this marriage work. When I marry couples, I tell them up front, there are, there are a very, very few biblical reasons for divorce. But here's what I want you to do going into a marriage. You go into a marriage saying this, divorce is not an option. I may send my wife to the moon for six months for some kind of exploration. I may go to Mars for two years, but we're not going to get divorced. That's loyal, faithful love that God's talking about. What the world needs from you, what people want from you, how you're going to bring joy and satisfaction to other people's life. And by the way, what your mama told you years ago, if you want friends, be a friend. How do you... How do you build your relationships? You be the right kind of person as you give people that loyal, faithful love. Martin Luther King Jr. said a lot of great things. One great thing he said, they asked him, what do you want on your tombstone? I don't know if this is on his tombstone, but he was asked, Dr. King, what do you want on your tombstone? He said, you can put this. He tried to love somebody. He tried to love somebody. Young people, old people, and everybody in between. If you want to be successful, you've got to be successful with people. I know there's crazy people and there's evil people. You're not going to ever be able to connect with them. That's okay. But if you will go through life saying, I'm going to love people affectionately and warmly just like I want to be loved, and I'm going to be loyal and dependable and trustworthy to my friends. You are on your way hugely to success. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says this. Many a man claims to have an unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. Here's my challenge to all of us. Be that faithful person. Be that faithful person. Here's the second part of this thing. Here's the second foundation that goes with it. Bring great integrity into your relationships. Bring great integrity into your relationships. Now, by the way, I want to just pause and say this. If you're a Christian 
and you're failing at these two things, you're failing. F, repeat the grade again. Pull the cap and gown off, you're going back again. These are the most basic things. Bring great integrity into your relationship. What's integrity? Integrity means a moral and ethical soundness. It means you're, you're unimpaired. There's not anything crooked or shady about you. What is character? Character is hard to define, but it's really it's the sum total of who we are. Someone said character is who we are in the dark. That's pretty good. Reputation is who people say we are. Character is who we truly are. What does it mean, young people and everyone else, to bring great integrity into our relationships? I'm going to give you two thoughts on this. Number one, be true to your word. Be true to your word. Verse 22, better to be poor than a liar. I told you this verse is rich. The word better in the English is a pretty simple word. It's not a simple word in the Hebrew. It means it's good or pleasant or beautiful or joyful. It, bring, it has practical benefits to be a poor person than to be a liar. What is a liar? It's one who lies, who deceives, and practices deception. God says it's better for you to go through life and live in a small house and wear secondhand clothes and have little money and walk to work and be a person who keeps their word than to be rich and famous and to be a liar. That's pretty powerful. And by the way, the Bible doesn't lift up poverty as something great. The Bible's not lifting up poverty here. It's saying on a scale from poverty to honesty, honesty is far far more important. It's hard to be honest all the time, isn't it? How many of you men have ever had a wife or girlfriend ask you if the dress made them look fat? (laughs) Men, if you're visiting today, the men at this church are cowards. They will never respond to anything like that. Confessed cowards at that. Jeff Foxworthy, the great comedian and theologian, supposedly... He is a Christian man now. He really is. Foxworthy says that his wife asked him if the dress made her look fat, and he simply said, don't blame the dress. Of course, if you're a multimillionaire and you can fly away from your wife immediately, that's easy to do, isn't it? Honesty is tough. There was a pastor who was getting ready to do a funeral. It was a small town. Little towns, everybody knows everybody's sin. Ruston's a little bit bigger. We, we only know half the people's sins. But a little town, you know, everybody sins. And this guy was a reprobate. I mean, he was vile. He was vulgar. He was a drunk. He was mean. He cussed all the time. And that's a terrible spot for a preacher to be in. Well, here's what made it worse. His brother, who was almost as bad as him, or as bad, came to the preacher the night before the funeral. And he tears in his eyes and said, Preacher, please say my brother was a saint. Please work it in your funeral and say my brother was the same. He said, I can't say that. Your brother was a reprobate. How can I say he was the same? He goes, please, whatever you do for me and my family, say he was the same. And the preacher said, okay, somehow I will work that in. The next day he's preaching. And the preacher starts letting him have it, telling the truth. He goes, the guy in this casket was a drunk. He was a reprobate. He was vile. He was vulgar. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> See, you can be honest, can't you, Josh? You just got to know how to finagle a little bit. (laughs) Ladies, you'll appreciate this on honesty. I saw a little thing a few weeks ago that said, if a man tells you he'll fix it, he will. You don't have to ask him every six months. (laughs) Think about that. 
On a more serious note, several years ago, the Institute for Behavioral Motivation said this. I, I, I think this has to be wrong. But they said in their studies, 97 out of 100 people lie regularly. How many people is here this morning? 450, Josh? A lot of liars in this room, isn't there? I guess you and me and Brandon, Janelle, I'm sorry, you may be in the bad group. Well, let's just say it's 80, 80 out of 100. That's terrible. Hey, let me challenge you something. Young people, listen to me. Be true to your word. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let what you say be trustworthy. People need to be able to count on what you say. I'm speaking as someone who is a boss too, someone who answers to people too. People need to be able to trust what you say. That doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. You don't have to apologize. You don't have to go back and get something right. But go through life being true to your word. Let me give you a second thought of this. Be trustworthy in how you do life. Be trustworthy in how you do life. I think this is a little bit different. And this is where some of us probably trip up. Verse 22. Better to be poor than a liar. The word liar also has the idea of a mirage. Do you know what a mirage is? When I was a kid, you know, we had like three TV stations. And, and so everybody, we had one TV in our house. So you always had to watch TV and you always had to watch what your father wanted to watch. And there wasn't a remote control. The kids were the remote control. And I can remember watching these old movies where people get lost out in the desert. You know, and they'd be walking for days in the desert. And then they would see palm trees and water and they'd go running up to it and it wouldn't be anything. And my father explained to me, that's a mirage. That's a psychological phenomenon where... You see something that looks real, but it's not real. A liar sometimes is someone maybe who doesn't directly lie, but they just, they do life in a way that seems one way when it's not. Their life's a mirage. Is it important that people trust you, what you say and how you do life? I want to show you a, 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 a board or a, an advertisement. Let's look at this. Septic tanks pumped. Swimming pools filled, not the same truck. How many of you agree it would be important that that guy was trustworthy? My pool water's a little dark. Ah! Cindy, get out of the pool. You'd be able to tell pretty quick, wouldn't you? Do people trust you? Ah, I don't lie, man. I would never lie to anybody, but are you shady? People are going to know if you're shady. And they're not going to want to hire you. They're not going to want to be married to you. You, you know, when God made Ad, uh, Eve, he took a rib out of Adam. Y'all know that. That's true. I'm not making that up. That's true. God took a rib out of Adam. Supposedly, Adam and Eve had some marital problems early on. Before there was sin or anything else, Adam would begin to disappear. He would wander off. And he would come back in late at night, and he was acting funny. He didn't want to talk about things. And Eve began to question him, are you having an affair? He said, Eve, me and you are the only people on earth. There's nobody I could have an affair with if I wanted to. But his strange behavior continued. She continued to ask. One night he woke up. She's poking him in the side like this. He said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm counting ribs. It's funny if you think about it. Okay, let me make it not so funny. 
Some of your spouses need to go home and count ribs. Are you trustworthy in how you do life? You think people want to hire you if they can't trust you? You think people want to be married to you if they can't trust you? You think God's going to give you great assignments if he can't trust you? I I was reading a book this week by a CEO here in in America who probably his corporate headquarters, he supervises probably four or five hundred people. And he was talking about honesty, and he said how we like to, especially Christian people, we don't want to lie. We're just, we're just not completely above board. And he started talking about the, their time boundaries at work. He said at our, our offices, you're supposed to be in at 8, but a lot of times people will come in at 10 after 8, 8.15, 10 after 8, 8.20. Have an hour lunch break, and a lot of times they'll be gone for an hour and 10 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes. Supposed to stay at work till 4.30, but at 4.15, sometimes they slip out the back door. Sometimes they do a little investigation. They're on Facebook for two hours a day, just playing around or surfing the net or on Twitter. And this CEO who happens to be a Christian, you know what he said? He said, people don't want to hear that. That's just lying and cheating. Y'all are real quiet now. But it is. And see, what God says here, it's better to be poor. It's better to be poor than a liar. Man, does Rustin need to hear this today? Man, I want a bigger house, a nice car. I want a great job. I want to make a lot of money. I want to be famous. All that's fine if you keep it in the right perspective. God says it would be better for you to be poor and be honest. I want to tell you for your relationships, that's exactly right. I love what John Maxwell, the leadership expert, says. You can't pick your talents, but you can pick your character. Do you get that? You can't choose to be seven foot tall. You can't choose to be able to throw a fastball 100 miles an hour. I imagine you can work on it and make it better, but I'm never going to throw a fastball 100 miles an hour. So when my character's cracked, your character can be fixed. Isn't that awesome? Your character can be fixed. Better to be poor. Better means joyful, practical, beneficial for you and for others if you're honest. Every relationship in your life will rise and fall on your integrity. Bring that to the table. There's an old Latin saying. It's a great saying. If you've got a pen and paper, write it down. It's, it says this, character determines fate. Your character determines your destiny. Who you are, well, I thought my mom and daddy did. No, who you are determines your future. And I, and I want to tag the Bible into this. I think you ought to add this to that phrase. How loving and loyal you are to people and how great your character is is going to determine your destiny. And if you're 18 or you're 8 or you're 80, you can set the course right now for the rest of your life by choosing to be the loving loyal person of a character and integrity.
And if you'll do that, you're setting yourself up to soar. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, certainly there may be things that you need to get right with God, and I pray you'll begin to do that right now. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, would you pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're God's son and that you died for me and that you arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart this morning. And I ask you to save me. Save me today, Jesus. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a moment. And I want to challenge you. I I want to challenge you this morning. If you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart, if you're in the balcony or on the front row, wherever you are, are you ready to do that? When we stand, would you come? There'll be a minister down here. We can help you with that. The foundation for your life starts with making Jesus your Lord. Come and do that this morning. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church. One way you can do that when we stand, there'll be a minister down here. We can help you. You you need a church family. Come and join us today if God's leading you to. Christian, maybe this morning where you're standing or maybe you need to come to the altar. Pray with a minister. Get on your knees before God and repent of some things. Repent of the character issues in your life. Repent of the lack of love. And ask God today with His help to implant those things in your heart and to let them never leave you the rest of your life. Let's stand. As God leads you, we'll be down here waiting on you.